0: sunday night and that means that it's time for the last episode of this season's jers weekly podcast we are live uh fairly unscripted this week because we're just going to have a bit of a rabble a bit of a talk in terms of the season overall because obviously no game this weekend uh, to discuss so we've got as many people who have contributed to the pod uh over the whole season on and we're just basically going to discuss a few things like how we felt the season went you know player of the season high points low points all that kind of a stuff uh, and maybe have a wee look towards next season as well so there's quite a few of us on tonight so i'll get on to the introductions straight away uh, first of all we've got frankie the boss how are you stuart
1: i'm very well thanks mate uh, it's been my wife's uh, 40th birthday this weekend so i'm just sort of sobering up for yesterday to be honest but uh, i'm off work tomorrow so good night's sleep tonight will do the trick and i'm sure you guys will help just over the next oh,
0: oh, dearie me! hi. nothing like motivating your Stuart. <laughs>
1: shocking,
0: shocking. Uh, also, joining us tonight is co-host Ross Bennett. How are you, Ross?
2: Absolutely smashing, Colin. Hi, very. It's good to be back. I've been away for a few weeks, so it's I um, it's lovely to be back on the show.
0: I believe you've been up for thirty-seven hours straight.
2: I have. I I've, I've been away on holiday down in uh, down in Africa, and I, I flew. The first flight was yesterday morning at five o'clock in the morning. Um, we got back to Luxembourg today at about 10 o'clock I'm absolutely wiped and then I'm driving I'm moving home back to London tomorrow so as soon as this is done I'm hitting my scratcher, I'm getting six hours sleep and then I'm back to London so it's uh, aye, a busy few days but I wouldn't miss this for the world
0: Yeah you sound convincing there, I must admit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we will be me and yourself sort of co-hosting tonight. I think I'm taking the lead early doors, and then when I bore them all, you can take over and finish the job for me. Aye, the super sub. The super sub, yeah. You, I, I do all the work. You come on and take all the glory. That's kind of how super subs work, is it not? Aye,
2: that's fine by me.
0: Aye, aye. I thought it would be. Aye. Anyway, right. <laughs> also joining us, we've got Graham, the, 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 the sound guy, who's we never hear from him. He's always in the background, but he's here with us tonight. How are you, Graham?
3: I'm not bad, Colin. Thanks very
0: much. You, you, you sound absolutely wonderful. You, you, you're making my job a lot easier there by basically giving me no answer whatsoever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That'll do
0: you. Oh, you've done it again. Brilliant. Right, okay.
4: <laughs> We've also got Pete. How are you, Pete, over in Germany? Uh great. Not being not had exciting things like going to Africa, but uh just plugging away over here in Germany. I'm assuming there must be some new tax avoidance scheme over in Africa,
0: because that's kind of how Ross operates, is it not? Aye, that's how I live my
2: life. is is trying to squirrel away from the tax. All all the all the dollars that Frankie pays me for hosting this show, I like to that away from the tax man. I take my lead from the Rangers board, really investing in EBTs. I was about to say that. They get paid, you know that kind of thing.
0: I heard there that you were the one EBT that they've not caught up with yet, but we'll not go into that. You know what I mean? We'll just just leave that on the side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And also joining us, uh, we've got David Fraser. How are you, David?
5: Not too bad, Colin. Thanks. Hello,
0: how are you? How's your your weekend been without Rangers? Uh, Well, fairly middling.
5: It was pretty good yesterday. Uh, And it's been no bad today when Dundee Hibs cemented their championship status earlier on.
0: Uh, well, I must admit, my day wasn't too bad yesterday either, although I, w- I was in Glasgow uh, for a bit, and I did see a few uh, colourful scenes afterwards. I was through, I was watching Back to the Future in concert, so they played the movie and a live orchestra in the room, playing the, the, the music alongside it, so that was quite good. But I must admit, we had to stand in Queen Street Station for about 20 minutes at the back of 10, and it, it wasn't the best, I must admit, especially with we uh, my two kids there. So, I, I Glasgow was interesting last night, I think. It was certainly green and white, that's for sure. Uh, but it wasn't all fun and games, I don't think. But anyway, but having said that, enjoy today like you, uh, David. I really enjoyed that the day. sat and watched that and had a wee chuckle. But anyway, we'll, we'll get on to the, the point of the pod. A wee sort of review of the whole season. Stuart, I'll come to you first. Your overall views of the season. I mean, obviously Celtic done the treble, treble and all that nonsense, right? But... Uh, In my opinion, I I think they kind of stumbled a wee bit towards the finish line in the league. Uh, And they've kind of, I suppose you could say, you know, they've won it and and by that they deserve it. But I don't think it's been as convincing, certainly, as as the first one was under Brendan Rodgers. I thought they were a wee bit lucky last season as well. This one feels it's a treble, but it's, it's, it's not as convincing previous ones, and, and even although we've ended the season, you know, trophyless as such, I feel we've made strides this season. What about yourself?
1: Aye, aye, we have. I mean, I think you've got to really look at the season in three parts. Uh, the first part was was obviously pretty good. We made some good progress in Europe. Uh, clearly, had to like, three or four qualifiers and then get into the group stages, and ultimately it was disappointing we didn't qualify. At that point, um, our domestic form wasn't too great either. I think we were looking for a sort of big December and we didn't really get it. Um, we did finish strongly, though, obviously, by, by beating Celtic at, at home on the on the 29th of December. And, and from that point, you're thinking, mm, this could be on here. Because, like you said, Celtic were, were less than impressive. Um, unfortunately, I think, uh, more than anything else, I think the, 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 the kind of beef game that was postponed were due to play them, obviously, a few days before Kilmarnock at Robbie Park, and that game got postponed because of the um, a frosty pitch. And I think we went into the Kilmarnock game, blood cold ourselves, unfortunately. And I think uh, Gerard made a mistake with team selection, uh, playing uh, Davis and, and Defoe that night. Obviously, Defoe scored, so you know, I may be wrong enough on, on, on that front, but it, it didn't work out. I mean, Joe Walls maybe be a bit of blue, as much as anybody else, as much as anybody else, and at that point. Sort of, everybody's down in the dumps, but fortunately, we went on to finish the last sort uh, of third or the, certainly the final quarter of the season strongly again, and I think uh, the, the fans' confidence was back up. And um, and to beat Celtic again at Ibrox the the week there was was fantastic, and it really means we can go into next season with uh, higher expectations. than this year, I mean, and, and there's a bit of pressure now on on, on Stephen Gerrard and the the players on on the board now as well to. To supply and with the funds to to, to add the quality to the team that that's um, that we obviously we've, we've been missing quite often this season, um, and if we can do that, there's absolutely no reason at all why we can't bring the uh, silver home silverware home next season. And I think we've really got to to do that. And I think we've I think um, the honeymoon period is now over for Gerard. I think uh, I think he's, he's done well, and I'm, I think most Rangers fans are happy with with his his, his efforts. Under his coaching team, uh, but now the, the pressure's on him next season to really deliver something, whether that's uh, a trophy of some sort or much preferable than anything else, uh, the league title. And I think uh, to do that, we've got to be a lot more consistent. Uh, we've got to start the season really well, um, including uh, Europe. We'll have another three or four qualifiers again for that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 ultimately, I think it's it's not be, can't call it a successful year. It hasn't been. And there's been too many disappointments for that. However, we have made progress, and it's up to to uh, the manager and his players to to take us on uh, to better things next season.
0: Ross, what about you? Would Would do you agree with uh, Stuart there on his sort of summarisation of the season?
2: So, I think I'd actually be a, a wee bit more positive. To be honest, I think it's 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 a shame that. Um, Stevie Clifford couldn't join us tonight from, from Four Lads Had a Dream because their, their most recent blog, I think, kind of hits the nail on the head and the way that they sum up their view of the season. and If you look at the brief that was given to Gerard at the start of the year, you'd, you'd be looking at things like close the gap and improve the performance domestically in the league. Well, I think it's, it's fair to say that that's been done both if you look at the stats and you look at the league table, obviously cementing second place, which we haven't been able to do the last couple of years. Um, reducing the points difference. Obviously, then there was another target, which was to to beat Celtic in the league again, which we've done twice. So I think we've kind of met the targets in in that respect, and also to improve ourselves and, and to put our, put Rangers back on the map in terms of European football. And and I think we had a very successful European campaign, which was was only ended by kind of a very marginal. Uh, amount, You know, we, we were really, really very, very close to going through and, and perhaps should have gone through with better performances against Spartak Moscow. We could have gone through to the, the knockout stages of the Europa League. Obviously, we're coming home with no silverware, which is a, a, a significant disappointment and something that will need to be improved on next season because I don't think there will be too... Uh, I, I think if, if there's no silverware again next season, then serious questions will be asked to the management team because that's kind of the standard that, that Rangers expect. But if you look at you know, what could be expected of a rookie management team, um, considering the, the 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 mess that we were left in at the tail end of last season, there was a, a really interesting article, um, possibly four to six weeks ago from, from Jimmy Nicol when he kind of he mentions how much of a mess Rangers were in at the tail end of last season. And the turnaround that Gerrard and his team have been able to do in, in, in the intervening 12 months is quite remarkable. So it's it, it's a tough one. Obviously, we're, we're having an overwhelming feeling of disappointment to have no silverware whilst we watch our um, our neighbours across the city winning their treble treble, which is, is, is obviously a, a bitter pill and a, a difficult one to take. Um, but I think you have to be a little bit more
0: granular and, and, and look at the detail, and there's, there's certainly reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with most of that. Uh, I, I, I think there's there's been ups and downs throughout the whole season, but I think overall the, the direction of traffic is definitely uh, going in the right direction. I don't think there's any doubt about that. A couple of sore ones, which I'll, we'll, we'll go on to cover later on in the show, but overall I, I agree with sort of both your summarizations there, I think uh, Rangers are heading the right direction under under Steven Gerrard. Graham, obviously, about a year ago, Stevie G was appointed. It was just over a year ago, and there was there was a lot of anticipation. But I think maybe a few of us forgot that you know it he was, he, although he'd been doing uh, a job with uh, the sort of youth at Liverpool, you know this was his first managerial position, uh, and I think sometimes we forget that. Overall, how, how would you rate Gerrard uh, his performance throughout the season?
3: Um, how would I rate him? He's, he's just a young, ambitious manager with his first job in professional football. Um, I think he's done a, a, a reasonable job with, with the resources that he's had. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Pedro Cachina at the end of the season before. He left him with not much. Um, and he managed to salvage at least something out of that and take us on to look quite competitive. It's, it's sad uh, and quite disappointing for a Ranger supporter that we didn't return any silverware. But I don't think that we're, we're down in the dumps about it. We're uh, we're very positive about it, to be honest with you. So I think he's done a reasonable job of what he's had. Pete, is, is there
0: anything obvious as far as you can see that... Uh... He might have got wrong throughout the season. You know, I, I, I mean, I think initially the, the the sort of first eight to ten weeks of the season, especially when he was doing so well uh, on the continent and in the, in the European run, you know, he really sort of lifted the place. But I, I had one thing that's concerned me about Gerard is sometimes I think he's just a bit too honest about how he's feeling with some of his players at times. Uh, and sometimes tactically, there's been a couple of times I thought, oh, I don't know about what he's trying to do there. I think as, as uh, Stuart pointed out earlier on, I think he got it wrong at Kilmarnock, which was a crucial game. So there, there has been points throughout the season. I think he's made mistakes. Is, is there anything on that front that, that, that stands out for, for yourself with Stephen Gerrard?
4: Well, I'm the same as everybody. I think we're going in the right direction. But to be honest, I think Gerrard can... Look in the mirror and say, did that cost Rangers the league this year? Because I think with certain things, uh his loyalty to Warrell. Why Cattage was 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 dropped for so long, I don't know. He had family problems, that's sort of a well known. But it he, he just he just kept loyal to, to Warrell for for far too long in my eyes. Um Kent as well, he kept loyal to him, although we didn't really uh, have a, a replacement for him, but there was games where Kent was just uh, non-existent. But he kept, uh, he managed to keep his place in the team. So I think uh, at the end of the day, I think we're going the right direction. But I really think this was a chance missed this year, and I think part of that is down to to Gerard, unfortunately. So hopefully, he's a young manager. I'm certainly a supporter of him. I, I, I'm. Ecstatic that he's still here, and I've, I've certainly no uh, get rid of Gerard uh, thoughts in my head. But I think uh, I think he was part of the, the the we could have put up a better fight than we did if Gerard hadn't been so loyal to certain players.
0: David, is that is that maybe uh, David Fraser here? <laughs> so we've got the David's clear. Uh, is that maybe a, a point that, that that Pete's making there that? You know, this have we missed a trick here? Have we missed an opportunity? You know, when you consider some of the results, you know, we've spoke about it all through the year. You know, the three draws against St. Murm, eh, sorry, against Hibs, the the draw at home against St. Johnson, the draw away at Dundee, and not to mention the sort of poor results we had against Aberdeen at Ibrox and against Kilmarnock throughout the season. Have we? I mean. Also looking at Celtic over the road, Brendan Rogers left after, you know a couple of months back there, there's always been a wee feeling that things were kind of falling apart a wee bit over there. Have we missed an opportunity here? Was was this if, if Celtic do get the ten, will this be the year that we look back at and go, that was an opportunity?
5: Possibly. Um I, I think I think if Stevie you know was was assessing his performance and his I like the squad's performance over the course of the season, I think he'd probably come to the conclusion that it was an opportunity missed. I think that's a fair comment. Having said that, as you guys have, have went through this is a rookie manager, his first um his first managerial position after hanging up his boots. And uh yes I mean, he's obviously seen during the course of the season that he's he's living life at the sharp end of football management they, obviously the Scottish Premier League is one of the, the more glamorous or technical leagues in European stroke world football but it comes with its unique pressures where you've got to win every game um, and if you don't win it every game you know the chances are to open the door to your main rivals i.e., Celtic so um, he's, he's drawn nine games this season He's lost too many games, six games. Uh, I, tend to think, I, I tend to agree with, with Pete, Colin, to be honest with you. I, I think there was a, an opportunity missed. I'm, I'm not just so hung up on loyalty to certain players. I just think that over the piece, I think that the squad was possibly a bit lightweight when it came to the mentality of filling the Rangers shut. Laterally, in the last, since let's say the post-split, some guys, when the pressure's off, have, have uh, risen to the occasion and accepted more responsibility to such an extent that it would give you they give you greater confidence next season. Assuming that we're going to the transfer market and make some quality additions to the squad, but um, I think if we'd maybe you know leaving aside possibly dubious refereeing decisions, if we hadn't slipped up at Dens, um, if we hadn't slipped up at Ibrox against St John's, leaving aside the Hibs matches. Um, and if we'd possibly come away from Parkhead, park kid we're pointing there six seven weeks ago um i think the the title may well have been right down the wire and um, we may well have come out and talk i agree with what you're saying that that Celtic selling been at the strongest data we didn't seem to capitalize on the mini crisis i had when brendan rogers jumped shut down to leicester and um, i think maybe in two three years time looking back i think you know some members of the rangers family look back and think we should have maybe done better than what we did there
0: Certainly, certainly with the least concern. Surely, the, there's a there's a certain amount of luck coming into this as well, Stuart. You know, I mean, in, in the games were, were, were we were drawn, you know, the three Hibs games that we spoke about, that you know, the game up at Den's Park, St Johnston, Ibrox, these these really stupid points that we dropped. You know, there was a similar amount of games. I, I mean, I think since the, the 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 winter break, I think Celtic have scored like four or five last minute winners. In games, I think two were against Kilmarnock, one against Hearts. You know, and those are the, you know, th- th- does that know the fine lines sometimes that just, although there's been errors that have been pointed out by some of the guys there and Gerrard's team selection by some of the players, but sometimes the rub of the green just goes against you. You know, in games where Celtic looked like they were dropping points right at the last death, they they pulled a, a winner out their arse on four or five occasions that eventually, you know. Made the difference. The one that the there the were nine points ahead. Of you is I think they were easily secured eight points out of last minute winners.
1: Aye, there is an argument to that. I mean, I, I think you've got to say that you, you make your your own luck, though. I mean, if you games last ninety minutes or well, ninety three, ninety four minutes, so I think you, you've got to play play the the, the, the whole of that uh, time period. And it, it's, it's easy to say well, scored last minute winners. I think we scored quite a lot of goals in the first fifty minutes of the season, so. Um, and you know, we still didn't manage to, to secure the points in, in some of these um, instances, unfortunately. Generally, though, I mean, I, I think the argument that we should have won a league is probably stretching things a bit too much. I think there was definitely an opportunity. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you, you go back to the, the 29th of December after we've beaten them, I mean, I think we're top of the league on goal difference, aren't we? I think the problem was, um, I think there there's probably too many at the club maybe the fans included, seeing this as a transitional year. I mean, it's Gerard's first sort of full-time, uh, well, in terms of uh, the first, managing a first team squad, it's his first season doing that. So, um, obviously, the the, the, uh, the player uh, turnaround was, was really high. So I don't think anybody, probably Gerard included, thought we could win the league this year. And um, it probably wasn't until the 29th of December we thought, well, oh, wait a minute, maybe we do have a chance. And, I mean, I think that's probably why we went and signed Davis and Defoe, um, and I think laterally, certainly the, the, the two of them have both shown that they're still quality players. Unfortunately, they both arrived unfit, um, or certainly not match sharp, and uh, we didn't get the best of them until after they'd been here for a couple of months, um, and that, more than anything else, probably did cost us a, a real tilt at it. Um, it's, it's 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 tough because and it is frustrating because there, there, there was a chance. Um, and, it's a, and I don't believe any of an opportunity missed. But for me I think there's there's too many positives uh, for the season uh, to to concentrate on what is a fair enough uh, negative. I think we've got to be optimistic and uh, feel and, and hope that, that Gerard and his management team have have learnt um from the, the, the downsides of this season and will take that experience into into next year and And they'll have that belief and that mentality instilled in all the players um, that Celtic can be got at. And, I mean, I'm not frightened by Neil Lennon as their manager. Um, Will they be throwing millions of pounds at their squad with what's happening with their uh, separate entity stuff? I'm not so sure. So there's an even bigger chance for us to win the league next season. And I think we've just got to, to, to look ahead to that now.
0: Ross, we spoke about sort of mentality uh, a few times o- that over the season on, on the pod, you know, in the games that were spoke about there, players would just didn't have that winning mentality to find a way to win, you know, to get the team over the line. Does that point to a sort of, you know, the strength and depth of the squad? You know, I, I feel when Rangers have got what you would consider the best, they're living on the park, we tend to win the game. It's when maybe because we've, we've sort of dipped into the squad a little bit in games against Livingston, St. Johnston at home, Dundee away. Does that show that once you go beyond the sort of core 12 or 13 boys, there's not the the sort of quality of player there, not that, that type of player that has that mentality to help get the, the team over the line?
2: The mentality question is a really interesting one um, because I, I think it's it's incredibly difficult to to scout this properly. Um, and and to to get a real sense of of people's character, people's mentality, um, people's kind of mental strength before they sign for the club, and you have to consider, you know, the markets that we were able to, to to shop in. We're not signing players, you know, first team regular starters from Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, or Juventus, Bayern, Real Madrid, where there's kind of a. a the expectation that you'll find at Rangers where you're expected to win every game where you've got a hostile crowd. So a lot of the players that we will sign um, will be coming from clubs that, that have a have a slightly different set of pressures placed on the players. And we've seen that borne out over the last few seasons with a couple of different transfer strategies. And if we think back to Mark Warburton's time in charge, um, which started so well in the Championship because of the, the the lower standard of football. Um, th- we did a lot of shopping in the lower leagues of England um, and and kind of players with with bright potential and bright futures that kind of burnt out or lost their way a wee bit. And the vast, vast majority of them couldn't cope with the mental challenge of playing for Rangers. Um, James Tavernier being the very obvious exception, who's gone on to have a fantastic career at Rangers, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot later on in the podcast. But, um, so then we, we kind of fast forward to where we are today. And, and if you take the signings of, for example, Niko Katic and Borna Barisic um, coming in from Croatia, it's it's again interesting because we're shopping in an unknown market where the players are playing you know, in, in front of much smaller crowds with much lesser expectations. And so to then import them into the the Rangers' way of life and the Rangers' expectations, the Rangers' pressures, is, it's very, very difficult. And we don't really know how they're going to react to that. And that's the gamble that we have to take because of the, the circumstances that we're in, because of the finances, because of the league that we play in, the kind of calibre of player that we can attract, is we're always going to be taking a gamble on the, the mental resilience of the players that we can sign, um, particularly when we start looking a little bit further afield and we can't do as much due diligence on them. It's a real, it's a really difficult one, and it's, it's kind of a unique problem to... Clubs such as Rangers, where there's that higher expectation that we have to go that, that little bit further in our due diligence. Um, and it's it, it. I think it's a really tough job, but it is I, I completely agree with you, Colin. It's, it is something that's let us down at times over the course of this season is is the resilience, is the fortitude. Um, and we've seen. For example, we go back to the Kilmarnock game that we referenced earlier of the Kilmarnock game back in February, where Joe Wallo gave the ball away, made one simple mistake, and the whole team kind of seemed to crumble. Um, again, we go, we, like you say, we we freshen up the squad and, and use some French players against teams like Livingston, and they present a stronger challenge than we were expecting, and the team can't rise to it. That does suggest that there is there are some characters in the squad that that are struggling to adapt to the pressures of playing for Rangers. However, on the other hand, I think you can also argue that there are players who certainly can kind of match that level of expectation, can bear the pressure, can bear the weight of the jersey. Um, players such as Andy Halliday, obviously, has, has shown that in the past, but also players such as John Flanagan, I think, has, has kind of shown that he can take knocks and come back from it. So it's a difficult one, but it's it's unique to Rangers um in in this league and obviously we're dictated by where we can afford to buy players from and, and that's why it's so hard to to get that mental side of, of, of the scouting right
3: can i just come in there colin
2: you can absolutely come in Graham.
3: there seems to be a little bit of a myth developing about just after the winter break with rangers um that we had a really bad period uh february march which is true we weren't we weren't excellent um however if you look at both halves of that season Um, In the first half of the season, we lost three, we drew six, and we won 12. And then after the winter break, we lost three, drew three, and won 11. So, the stats don't bear it out. That's kind of all I wanted to
0: say. Yeah, but is the issue not maybe? I think the issue is the fact, I think the game on December the 29th has a huge bearing on how people view the second half of the season, particularly sort of February-March time, uh, because we beat Celtic, we're levelling points for them after that game, albeit they've got a game in hand, so essentially they're, they're, they're three points clear if they win their game in hand. You know, we do well in the, 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 the transfer window, we bring in Defoe, we bring in Davis, two quality signings, a bit of a statement, and we don't really kick on for that. So I, 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 I get what you're saying about the, the stats not bearing out. But I think a lot of it comes from the fact that we put ourselves in quite a strong position at the halfway mark of the season. And yeah. Then within within six weeks, of the, I think the Comarno
3: K- result that you're talking about the two one away to Comarno, I think that one had a larger effect on the mentality of the players rather than the actual results were showing.
0: Maybe, yeah. I I I I think, when, I think when we look back in the season that that Kilmarnock game was a key game. You know what I mean? And and maybe. You know, maybe Stuart's got a point in saying that the cowden beef game being postponed gave us a small issue because we were coming into it with no competitive action behind us. But I think as Ross pointed out, the minute Joe Warrell made that mistake and we conceded the equalizer, you could see the team wilting under the pressure and the expectation. You know, up until that point, we dominated. We probably should have been more than one nothing up, and then one simple mistake from Joe Warrell. Yeah, come on, get the equaliser, and then from then on in, it was a different game. Rangers didn't look like they were up for it. So, yeah, yeah I, I I get what you're hearing. Uh, sorry, I get what you're saying, but I I do think that's why people are viewing it that way because we'd got ourselves in such a strong position after a fairly indifferent first half of the season, domestically. Anyway, I think another thing that, bor- that bears out the sort of mentality issue is the fact that we played so well in Europe. You know, I know a club like Rangers are expected to play in Europe, but there's not much in terms of expectation there i don't think and i think players played in that environment with a certain amount of freedom knowing that there was there was no real expectation they played in a way that they didn't always play domestically you know because once the pressure started you could see players sort of shrinking away from it i think we should introduce we've got a a new uh guest on the show tonight john's joined us john mccallum how you doing john I'm not too bad, yourself? I better late than never, eh?
6: Well, you know, some things you have to wait for, the good things in life.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're and some things are a... just late. <laughs> if, I, if I was Stephen Gerrard and you were a player, I'd be saying to you, you're just in time for a shower, mate. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you get off with the Celtic job? Uh, that's what I got offered the Celtic job, I'm in the showers, yeah, we'll even go into that. Uh, I should also mention, guys, uh, I should have mentioned this at the start of the show, we're, we're live on the YouTube, the comment section is open, I'm seeing quite a few comments. Notice a name that I recognised for the past, Stephen Lermont, hello Stephen, how you doing? Uh, me and Stephen used to go to the games together on the Cayman bus back in the sort of late 80s, uh, early 90s, uh, when we both had the sort of bleached, streaked hair and all the rest of it, so a big hi to Stephen. Uh, I think maybe time to hand over to you now, Ross. Is it not your turn to take over the, the running of the ship?
2: Aye, now that we're past the watershed, the fun can really start. <laughs> I, listen, I think what we'll do is, um, because there's so many of you on the show tonight and we're you know kind of just having a wee end of the season wrap-up, um, if it's all right with you guys, I think what we'll do is we'll try and get things moving a wee bit quicker and just fire through some kind of uh, some quick questions and quick answers. Um, I noticed that on the on the GESnet forum... Uh, throughout the week we've been talking about who was your player of the season um, and there's some really interesting debates to be had around there so I'm going to ask you all dead quick um, Pete I'll start with you, who was your player of the season?
4: Well uh, I voted for Morelis. Uh I think uh, anybody that scores as many goals as he does has to be up there for player of the season to have an ear, you can you you can make a a choice for him as well. But I, I just think that Morelos, although he cost us a few games as well, the the amount of times that he actually won us the games was, was more than, than Tavernier did who scored a lot of goals when it wasn't really important times. So I think Morelos won his games in more important times. So I went for Morelis. Frankie, would you agree with
2: that?
1: No. Um, If you'd asked me probably two or three months ago, I would have. I'd have said Morelos, no question. Uh, No doubt about it at all. And and the lad deserves credit for what was a fantastic uh, season for him over the piece. Unfortunately, um, they let us down uh, too often. Um, He was unlucky with the referees. I think there's there's no doubt about The lad gets refereed to a different standard than any other player in Scottish football. Um, In that sense, I've got a lot of sympathy. But uh, I think... uh, James Tavernier was uh, my player of the year. Uh, he, his contributions in terms of goals, in terms of penalties, in terms of assists is fantastic. And he's played almost every single of our uh, 60 matches. Um, and he's, he's, I think the, the lad's improved no end. He's getting better. I think he's a great captain. And um, I really hope that he can stay for next season. I guess
2: that's that's the big unanswered question at the moment, is where does James Tavernier's future lie? John, how about yourself? Um, Please tell me you're about to make the case for Eros Grisda for Player of the Season. I think Eros Gresda makes the case himself.
6: I don't think he needs me to help him. No, you're all wrong on Player of the Season. The Player of the Season is Conor Goldson. It it would have been McGregor up until until towards the end of the season, but no, Goldson's whole season, you have to look at it from the start to the very end. He played almost every game. He certainly played every game that mattered. He turned a defence that has been leaking goals, that's been a, a Achilles' heel since we came back up, into one of the meanest in the league. Um, he's, he's the guy. He's a guy completely overlooked. Everyone just takes him for granted, and he's the guy that has. He's the he's the fulcrum of that side. I just wanted to use the word fulcrum in this. But he's a fulcrum of that side. He is. He is what that team has been built around. I think he's the guy we need to keep.
2: I, know, it's, it's, I have to I have to admit, it's bold of you to show up 30 minutes late and then immediately pronounce everyone else as being wrong, but um, <laughs> I, I, admire, I admire the chops on you, John. Um, hey,
6: listen, this is the last one of the season. I could be getting let off to the middle, you know, we all know that. I might not be invited back. I could be I could be playing juniors this time next year. <laughs> Get out with a bang.
2: Decorating alongside Ian Black. Um <laughs> Graham, we'll come to you. We've had um, three three different players being voted for so far, which is making it dead tough for me trying to keep track. Who is your player of
3: the season? Well, I think um, John's got a fair shout there with Connor Golson. I mean, he only played what fifteen games the season prior to joining Rangers after he's he's major heart surgery and operation. So the amount of games that he's put in this year, that's a fair shout. Uh, however, for me, it's got to be James Tavernier. The man's played fifty-seven games this season out of sixty one sub-appearance. He's up with the, he's up there with Alexa Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo as far as goals and assists are concerned. In fact, he shares 10th place with uh, Pablo Sarabia. I think his name is plays for Sevilla. So, yeah, he's my man of the He's my uh, player of the season.
2: Fantastic. That's two votes for Tav, one for Goldson, and one for Morelos so far. David, enlighten us. Who's your player of the season? James
5: yeah. Oh. Nice. I think all the guys that were mentioned in the, the poll on the forum during the week, I think they're all worthy of mention. I think, um, I think John's got a good shout for Conor Goldson. Uh, tremendous longevity. Um, tightened up the defence, but I don't think you can overlook Tav's part in tightening up the, the goals against Cole. Al McGregor, very good. Ryan Jack, very good. Alfie, obviously very good as well, but for me, in terms of his, his overall improvement, he's I said a couple of points ago, I think he's really starting to look the part. I think James Tavernier, for me, would be the Rangers player of the season.
2: You make a very convincing argument. Um, last but not least, Colin, how, how, how do you come down on this side of the argument? James Tavernier or someone else? Morelos, perhaps?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm going the other way. I should say that I think John's made a good point, the, the Conor Golden being overlooked. That that means I'm the Conor Golden of the Jersnet podcast. You know, to, <laughs> totally, totally undervalued and underappreciated, but there we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go yeah, with...
3: Consistency, mate. You need to be more <laughs> consistent in front of goal. Yeah,
0: this is true. This is true. I, I'm not very consistent. I'm, I, I accept that criticism. Uh, I'm going to go with Scott Arfield. I, I it took me a wee while to get around to him, but I think what he's added to the Rangers team this season uh, is is considerable. Uh, and he's, he's came on even more since he's sort of found that new position one further up uh, when when Morelos was suspended and we, we started going with the four. I think, I feel for Morelos in terms of, I, I do think there's a narrative that's been, sort of put up a round about him that that means as Stuart said he is getting refereed to a different standard. But also I think he takes the bait far too easily. The one against Scott Brown, don't get me wrong, I don't think he touched him. I think Brown made the most of it. But he gave the referee something to to react to. You know what I mean? Something like that. I think it was John that made the point on the on on the night of the game that why did he not just go down? You know, the minute Scott Brown rakes his studs down the back he's He's Achilles. Why does he not just go down? Why does he not give the referee another decision to make? But instead, he's just hes too reactionary. So for that reason, I, I, I kind of give it to Morelos. I like Tav as well. You know, he's, his goals and assists are, are, are great. I, 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 his defensive side's still ropey at times, I think. Positionally, I think he came in the wrong place at times, but certainly improved this season. But just for what he's added to the side, I've got to go with Scotty Arfield. Plus, he's got the best celebration with that wee salute thing. I love
2: that. No, 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 no. Right. I was with you up until that last bit. I I cannot stand... Actually, coming from you, Colin, someone who who spends his entire life on Twitter slating modern football, saying how old football was better back when I was a kid in the 40s. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Listen.
0: Oh, dear. Oh,
2: dear. I cannot get bored with a a pre-planned celebration like that. A, A goal you should be a Vincent company running round going off your heat, delighted that you've scored a goal. No, you shouldn't have the composure to stand in salute. But well, that's just me. Um, I, I I think to be fair, we've all got strong arguments for who who could be player of the season. Actually, Scott Arfield, I think, has, has had a fantastic second half of the season, and actually, even in the first half of the season, you kind of noticed him by his absence. Sometimes in the, the games that he wasn't playing, you could see we were less of a unit and less of an attacking threat but for me I, I've got to agree with the majority and so James Tavernier has had his best season in a Rangers strip he's grown into the role of captain um, he's made that kind of attacking fullback role his own um, and and really kind of introduced that into Scottish football in a way that hadn't quite been done so far I think he's been um, an absolute revelation this season and and I really, really do hope he's here next season which is great because we, it shows that here on the JazzNet podcast we've agreed with the JazzNet forum it's all tying together very nicely um, Moving on very briefly we're going to then talk about goal of the season if we can um, I think I'm right in saying that it was officially given to Ryan Jack for his goal against Celtic back in December um, Pete, what are your thoughts on goal of the season? Is that the right one? Or do you think there was a better goal?
4: I don't know. I'm I'm i really that bad at remembering goals. I can't I, I can't really place one that, uh, that that I think. Oh, that was a, a fantastic goal this year. But obviously, the, for me any goal against Celtic uh, is a good one. I seem to remember one with a with a, a brilliant move from the back of defence to the uh, right through the midfield and and put it in. But I'm, I'm hopeless at remembering goals, so I'll I'll actually pass on this one. I'm afraid.
2: Right,
4: I'll I'll just put you down for the goal that started at the back,
2: went through the middle,
4: and ended it in the back. That's it. That's the one. I was a
1: belter. Frankie, how about yourself? Do you agree with Pete? Um, there is there has been a few of them, but I'll I've I've got what, a specific uh, one that I'll go for uh, the the um, the Mireille second goal uh, in the Rapid Vienna game. It was fantastic. It just it's, it, 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 it was. The, the atmosphere at that game was amazing, and it was just like the, the cherry on the, the top of the cake was just uh, was was that was that finish. I mean, Candias obviously won the ball, cleared it in his own box, and then ran what 30, 40 yards to to challenge a guy in the half line, and then the, the back heel was 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 immense. You could you probably try that back heel another hundred times, and they'll get it as perfect as what he did into into Morelis's, uh stride. So I I'll go with that goal just to be a bit different.
2: I uh, know, it's a, a fair comment. I, was, uh, I remember that moment so clearly sitting here watching that um, and just the excitement and kind of seeing it all happening in slow motion and then crying out for Morelos to square it, I think, to Halliday, who was following him. But, I mean, w- what a goal and what a moment that was. And it, it kind of, for me, that signalled our return to Europe and that was a, a really special, special night. John, yourself, goal of the season. Uh, I, well, Frankie wasn't going against it because that was
6: absolutely going to be my goal of the season as well, and it was my favourite match. But um, I think I think the goal uh, because Frankie's taking that one, I'm going to go for one of the goals at Villarreal. Uh, I think the the equalising goal at the, the second equalising goal at Villarreal. I think that was probably my second favourite. Uh, I think that I think it was to do with the occasion. It was it was a good goal. It was a nice move, but I think it was as much to do with the occasion back in European football. Uh, you know, playing at Villarreal, a, a side we we were familiar with, you know, a decent Spanish side, um, and and here was here we were, you know, giving them a proper game, going toe to toe. They were a better side than us, but we ended up coming away with a draw. And I think that I think that was the kind of realization that you know, this is a different Rangers. This is this is the old Rangers back. The stuff that's gone over the last few seasons that's definitely been consigned. Because I don't think I was convinced until that game that, that we, we were a different team. There was something about us this season. So, uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say either of those two goals. But I'm only saying that because Frankie stole my rapid Vienna story. I know.
2: Thanks for at least trying to keep it original. Um, Graham, how about yourself?
3: Well, I'm a bit undecided about this one, Ross, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, there's been some great team goals. Scotty Arfields for the second against LT Eybrooks was a thing of beauty. However... I'm going to go with um, Alfredo Morella's backheel flick against Hearts, an unbeaten Hearts at that. Uh, that's my number one. It's one of the best goals I've seen at Ibrox in a long time.
2: I have to say that that was going to be my choice as well, Graham. Um, because you're right, people will forget, You know, obviously people will remember the goal, people remember the flick, the kind of audacity of it, but people will forget that Hearts were unbeaten at that point in the season. Hearts were looking like an actual you know, strong dominant force in Scottish football yeah. for a while there. Um, and also
3: so, Daniel Candace, he closes down the Mitchell, I think his name is, in the box, more or less done the exact same thing as he did against Rapid Vienna. Aye. Um chases it down, puts it in, Morelos, bang, back heel. You can't get any better than that. Ah, oh,
2: perfect. And something that Daniel Candace does, you know, over and over again is is chase chase these balls. Um which is why I think he's an absolute superstar. Um Moving
5: on, David, how about yourself, goal of the season? Hey, all the guys have uh, mentioned goals that I would you know, would immediately come to mind. A um, couple of other ones, possibly Scott Arfield's goal against Motherwell at far part, uh, just before the split. It's a good team goal. I think Alfie's cute uh, left side foot into the, the bottom right-hand corner of it. Petodre in February was a tidy goal, but I think for overall um, passion and feeling and the part of I think uh, I think Scotty Arfield's goal against Celtic there a couple of weeks back was was probably up there. There's there's a few few cracking team goals. The, the Alfie's back heel I was going to mention that, but Graham Graham uh, got in before me. But there's no real kind of big screamers and. And such like, but there's some cracking goals, and I think um, you could pick any one of the, the goals that the guys have mentioned, to be perfectly honest. Hi, ah,
2: very diplomatic of you, David. Finally, Colin, how about yourself.
0: Mm, yeah, well, I'm going to go with something a bit different. I thought, I think the, the Morelos goal at Pataudre was was worth mentioning. I thought that was a great goal. Arfield's goal against Celtic was, was also a good one. Morelos against Hearts, a great one. I'm going to go with. Candias against Spartak Moscow. I think he scored the second that night. And it was a, a sort of a, a ball played for the sort of right back channel, right down the middle. And he sort of had his back to goal, brought it down, sort of back heeled it and turned in one move and hit it into the bottom corner. I thought that was a, a, a technically a very, very good goal. So just to be slightly different, I would I would go with Candice's goal at Spartak that night. Right,
2: just playing devil's advocate calling. Do
0: you think he meant it, at control? I've Actually, I was just watching it there on my phone to get my idea about how good a goal it was. And I think he does get a wee bit lucky. I think when he, he brings it down, it sort of bounces just right for him. But, uh, I mean, he, he's still done it, you know. And to do it all in one movement, and on a European stage, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. I think the goal I enjoyed the most was probably our fields a couple of weeks ago. You know, I mean, the... Uh, the sort of wee work, the, the lovely bit of skill from Kamara, which done Brown twice. You know, Brown had to buy a ticket to get back into the ground. Uh, the the pass to the the lovely dun, dummy for the You know what I mean? Just it uh, really was a really really good goal, and that's probably the goal I enjoyed the most at Ibrox, uh, slightly ahead of Morelos's goal against Rapid Vienna that night. But I, I, I'm going to go with Candias
4: Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm glad that we've got a, a good variety of goals there. Um... Ross, I think the goal that, that I get the most exodus from was uh, Ryan Jack, I'm oh, sorry, Jack's, yeah, uh, against Celtic on the 29th of December. I think just the, the way it went into the net and the, the, the whole stadium going alive, I think that was a, it wasn't a great goal, but it was, it was just, Absolutely fantastic because we probably put us in our way to to beating Celtic for the for, well, no for the first time in years, but uh in a time that we didn't think Celtic didn't think we could beat them. Uh, it, so, was, it
2: was certainly a very meaningful moment. Um and it was you could see actually that it also it meant a lot to to Ronnie Jack and uh, it was. I was say that was a huge moment. I was watching that with my dad down, and I was back in England at the time watching that. And it was. it was huge for you know just even just for the pair of us to to watch that together. And um, I was a. I think that was a really cathartic moment for for every Rangers fan um, watching that ball go in and then and, and then watching us hold on and, and and close out that game was was a really a really meaningful moment and a really defining moment. I think not just in the course of this season but kind of in the course of the the balance of power in Glasgow over the the next few seasons. I think we'll look back on the 29th of December 2018 as, as a really, really significant time. Right, guys, I want to try and get through one more of these quick fire questions. Um, Pete, we'll start with you. Can you give me, if you can, um, if your if your memory will allow, your kind of personal highlight of the 2018-2019 season. What was what was your personal favourite moment of this season?
4: Uh, personal moment. Um well, I think I was at the game uh, on the 29th of December. So I think winning that game was uh, was a highlight of the of the season for me because I was part of it. The crowd was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the stadium was just jumping. And I loved that. That was, that was a high point of the season for me. Pete, how many games
2: did you get across for this year?
4: Well, I was across for the Celtic game, and I was across, unfortunately, for the Comarmack game at the end up there. So that was a uh, that was, and that I'm going to say that as well. Uh, I went with the the Blues Brothers uh, r- bus from the Roseville pub in Partick and all the guys on there were saying as well, and blaming Gerard a bit as well for the for the turn up that day because um, the guys, the, the supporters, were still. Paying twenty-seven pound a ticket to thirty pound a ticket, and Rangers team just didn't turn up, and there was a lot of people quite angry at that. And I think Jared leaving half his half the players at home, or not half the players, but a, a lot of the better players at home. Um, yeah, that that really got under the skin of quite a lot of people. A the fair the comment. is...
2: um. Not quite where I was expecting to go when we are talking about personal highlights of the year, but fair enough. Um, Frankie, yourself, what was your kind of personal favourite moment of
1: the season just gone? I think you summed it up quite well uh, five or six minutes ago, uh, Ross, when you were talking about the sort of cathartic nature of the, of the game in the 29th, um, when we beat them 1-0 and really uh, sort of put down a marker and, and says that we're capable of doing it again. And I think uh, for me, so for me, it would be that, um, but... I think to take the next step and actually beat them again and probably even more convincingly. Uh, just a few weeks ago in the 2-0 game is, is, is my favourite moment. When that second goal went in that sort of sort of pressure lifted off you and you could see that we're we're going to uh, I that means we still had to, what twenty minutes to go in that game, but you could see we were going to um, if anything we, we should have scored more and it's that positive nature of that, that and beating them twice. In the, in the one season and, and certainly on an aggregate uh, over the, the four games is is just to take that huge positive and it's a defining moment for me or, and it should be for the players and for the manager and for the rest of the fans that, to show that we can uh, start winning big games like that um, and can start winning silverware uh, if we if we can do it in, in every game so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, that moment is something that we can all take from this season
4: as a highlight I think we should remember that we dominated them at Parkhead in the second half as well with 10 men
2: yeah I think it's a, we absolutely should until unfortunately as we've mentioned before individual errors cost us and that's possibly been the difference between us and them this season is the, is the individual mistakes um, it's what I like about the, the two victories against Celtic this, this season is that it, they weren't just lucky victories they weren't flukes they weren't standalone freak events they give us real hope real kind of positive momentum going into next season that there is no real gap to be bridged anymore we've made so much progress and and, and let's be fair they've, they've had a bit of a backslide um from where they were two or three seasons ago so it's it, it's not that these were lucky results and you know just over the course of ninety minutes, you can you can actually see in those moments the the balance of power shifting, and that's what's that's what's so exciting after so so many long hard years of being a Rangers fan. John, how about yourself? What was your favourite moment of this season?
6: I like like the goal. It was Rapid Vienna. Uh, I absolutely loved that match. That that see for somebody my age, somebody who's who can see fifty just coming over the horizon there. Uh, Rapid Vienna are a side I remember from growing up. You know, they were a side that were always in Europe, were always a good side. Uh, and so playing them again, for me, that was part of of a road back. You know, playing that side, that type of side again. And I accept that, you know, Austrian football is not a great standard. I accept that Rapid Vienna aren't even the best team in Austria these days. But there was a sense of nostalgia for me. Um and the game itself turned out to be a cracker. It was a really exciting game, you know, with that fantastic winning goal. Um, but it was a proper game of football. They brought a decent support. It was one of those nights where I which was electric. There was this expectation, and you were into the game, you know, genuinely not knowing how this was going to go. Could we? Get, are we going to get gubbed here? Is this going to be like some of these horrible European games you've seen Rangers in over the years, where we just get picked off by guys who are just technically better than us? We didn't. Uh, and for me. That was a turning point in the season, a personal turning point. That that was the moment I I thought no, this 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 is a different Rangers team. Um, I, you know, I think as I said last week, I wasn't hundred percent sure of Gerard's appointment. You know, I was a doubter, a guy with no experience. I was not sure, and and that was the game he won me over. That was the game that made me realise no, this is there's something about this team. This team has got a chance. So that was my highlight, the highlight of my season. Beating Celtic's always great. But that was the moment. That was the, the moment for me, was there the the, rapid Vienna match.
2: I nice, spot on. It was a a really wonderful night, and um, I think we kind of turned a lot of heads in in European football that night. Um, a lot of people who had perhaps forgotten about Rangers over the past six or seven years, I, I think that was the night that people kind of sat up and, and, and took a wee bit of notice of us again, which is which is huge and was was uh, it was a, a really special night. Graham, coming to you
3: next, what was your, your favourite moment of the season? My favourite moment of the season is Ryan Jack's goal against Celtic at Ibrox on 29th of December. It's a real Randy Quaid and Independence Day type of goal that it's announcing, hello boys, we're back. That'll do for me. Succinct and referencing Randy Quaid, I absolutely will. You can come back. Why oh,
2: I always sitting behind the... Sitting behind the
3: knobs there, right? You, you know, you, you've got quality input to bring here, Graham. <laughs> Don't you Don't be you. talking about my knobs
0: online? Aye, uh, I know I was thinking that. Aye. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, past
2: the watershed, we can get away with what we like. Also, there's a, there's a big gap coming up at the end of the season.
3: Although I can contrast it with my low point. My low point was meeting the guys on the 24th of November for a pint before the Livingston game. Settle
2: down.
0: So. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's da- he was da- he was doing so well there, Ross, and then he's just passed
2: all over it. I know, I was, I was going <laughs> to reference that as my high point of the season, saying, you know, walking into the spoons in George Square, seeing the friendly faces and then seeing you miserable bastards at the next table. <laughs> right, David, how about you, your your high point of the season just gone?
5: Well, I'm going to go against the tide here slightly. My highlight of the season didn't actually come during the season. My highlight of the season is at a point when I um, I think if, if Stephen is not appointed, I think all the kind of high points that we're talking about could be purely academic. I think if we were still banging our heads against a brick wall with kind of um, low-profile managers like Pedro cassini uh, I think we could still be seriously scratching our heads about what we're going to do to try and arrest this um, Celtic dominance. But I think we've got the the right man in charge. I think he's made a few mistakes. Um, showed how inexperienced he has. He, he's been over the course of the season. And he's he's showing latterly that he's he's learning. Um, his backroom staff are learning. They've obviously the they had twelve months to get used to the Scottish football environment. And uh, I've got every faith that the guy will deliver and he will he will secure his fifty five. And I'm. I'm pretty um, I'm pretty certain that will be next season ross
2: you know, I think that's a, that's a smashing answer david i think it's it it's interesting how much optimism has has been brought and, and it's the way that he has kind of silenced the doubters like John said that he was he was a doubter at Gerard's appointment, and I think he's addressed the, the those doubts in in the best possible way um and, uh, he's he's no perfect and he's 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 unpolished perhaps as as a manager, but the the gravity that he brings, the commitment that you can see that he brings, and the the determination, the drive, it's 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 turning out to be a what what looks like a wonderful appointment. And and I'm with you, David. I really do share your confidence that this is the start of something really special. And and this season will be looked back upon not perhaps you know perhaps as as missed opportunities and. And disappointments around mental fortitude, as we've as we've spoken about. Obviously, consistency is the key word of the season. But um, I think that's a smashing answer, David. Colin, last but not least, of course, we'll come to you. Um, your your high point of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with uh, John. I, I really enjoyed the uh, Rapid Vienna. Uh, I for a number of seasons uh, season, for a number of reasons. We, we hadn't been at that level European football for a while, and I think mostly because. M- my boy hadn't seen that sort of night at Ibrox. You know, he he sort of started going to the games when we were in the lower leagues, and didn't really see Rangers, or he hadn't experienced Rangers as being what they really are and what what they should be. So that night was good. Uh, when the when the when the third went in, it was uh, it was actually quite emotional. You know, it was it it, can, it did kind of feel like what John was saying that we'd we'd got our club back, and yeah, that was a special night for me. I think.
2: I think it's a it's it's a fair point. It was a a really special night. Actually, my my personal highlight, if you'll just indulge me for a moment, was for me in a similar vein. It was standing on the terraces in Moscow um, after we travelled out for the Spartak game, and just just being there and looking around and thinking, "Aye, we're back. We're are back." And uh, listen, I was I'm I'm twenty seven now. Um, I was twenty six back at the back at the time we played Moscow and. I was never really old enough to go to the, the the European away days 10, 15 years ago. So this, for me, was my first big trip away. And to have that this season, after all we've been through in the past six or seven years, to to be able to stand there in the terraces in Moscow and look around and think, aye, we're back. That was it. That was it for me. That was the moment. Gents, we, I noticed that we've ticked over the hour mark. Um, and I think we could we could talk all night about our thoughts about the season just gone and and where we're getting to the season ahead um i'm conscious of the time and i think it's, it's probably best that we wrap up I'd, I'd like to thank obviously every guest that we've had on the show this evening so thank you of course to uh, to david fraser to frankie to graham to john to pete and of course a big thank you to colin for, for opening up the show as well um and also a, a huge thanks has to be said to to all the other guests that we've had on across the series Um, To Christine Somerville to Stevie Clifford as well Um, if I've missed anyone I certainly do apologise for that Um, and the biggest thank you of course goes goes to the listeners, I'm sure Colin you'll agree that it's been a a fantastic season to be hosting the JudgeNet podcast yet again and we'll be back stronger next season um, which we'll be really very much looking forward to Um, of course if you've enjoyed the show it's uh, it's always worth heading over to the Jersnet website, www.gersnet.co.uk. Check out all the fantastic articles that are written there. You can also find every single member of this podcast on the on the lively discussion forum over at Jersnet. So please do check it out, get involved. Um, let us know your thoughts. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome along. Um, you can like and subscribe. You'll be the first to hear of anything that's coming over the summer break and you will have every... New episode delivered straight to wherever you get your podcast from. Um, So please do leave us a wee review. Spread the word. Obviously, we're a new show, and it really does help to get the message out there. I think all that's left for me to say is thank you very, very much for listening tonight and over the course of the season, and have a wonderful summer.